you'd like to sit down, and we're going to read God's Word now. We're going to be reading from 1 John chapter 2, just a few verses from uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. I think that's on page 1,226, if you've got a church Bible. Let me read those uh, couple of verses for us before John comes to preach. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. As we come to look at that passage in a bit greater depth, let's again pray that God would help us. Father God, we've heard your word and we believe that it is your word and we believe that it is useful to us. So Lord, we, we do ask that you would teach us this evening, that you would rebuke us, correct us and train us in righteousness so that we would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as some of you know, uh, we have a, a small allotment plot down at uh, Love Lane. And uh, it's very nice, except for all the, the weeding that needs to be done. But if you know the area, you'll know that on the way to the allotment, you can walk through the cemetery. Uh, so we very often would do that to, to get to the allotment. Uh, so I don't know if any of you have ever spent any time looking at, well, the gravestones down there or, or gravestones in general, but you walk through a graveyard and, and see the inscriptions written on the, the, the stones there, and it can be really quite interesting uh, seeing what's written there. Uh, it's sometimes very moving to see how these people have been remembered. And the kind of thing that you often see written on these uh, gravestones is that people is, are not so much remembered for, for what they did, but for what they loved. You might find, here, here lies a loving father, a, a devoted husband. And so in, in the, the very short Bible reading that we've had this evening, we're, we're told that we need to be careful what we love. And that it's not so much about the things that we have done, but the things that we love that count. So if, you, if you've got your Bible, please um, look at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 uh, again with me. Uh, we start by reading, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, that seems like quite a strange thing to say to, to Christians. Um, 1 John as a, as a whole is, is quite an encouraging letter. Uh, so you might be expecting to be saying something like, um, Do not give up. Or, or do not despair, or something. But instead we read this, this phrase, do not love. Uh, so, so what is it that we're not to love? Well, he says that uh, Christians, these people that previously he's described as uh, people that live in the light, uh, are not to love the world or the things in the world. Now again, that, that might come as a bit of a surprise to you, uh, especially if you consider that one of the most well-known verses in the Bible is John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And so you might be thinking, if it's all right for God to love the world, then why are we being warned against loving the world? 
And, and so he's, he's not saying, you know, don't love the planet. You know, God created that and made it very good. Uh, he's not saying do not love the people in the world. Uh, in the rest of the book, the, the context uh, given is that, yeah, we are supposed to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially, but, but love for people is generally a good thing. When he says do not love the world, he's trying to tell us not to commit ourselves to the world and the things in the world. And, uh, and he gives two reasons for that. Uh, we're going to look at those tonight. The first one is that the world is opposed to the Father. And the second one is that the world is going to pass away. So let's look at the, uh, the first reason then. Uh, the world is opposed to the Father. The world is just so different from the Father, from, from God, that you can't be all about the world. You can't be committed to the world and still claim to love the Father. It's like oil and water. They just don't mix. And so the second half of verse 15, it says, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Now, if I described someone as being worldly, I wonder what kind of things come to your imagination. Uh, maybe you have a list of worldly behaviors in your minds. Uh, for, for some of us, uh, avoiding worldliness will be a bit like the old advice given to young men, which was don't drink, don't smoke, don't swear or chew, and don't go out with girls that do. Now, now that kind of stuff might be part of, of, of worldliness, but, but John isn't so focused on particular behaviors here, but by particular attitudes. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, look at verse 16, where John talks about the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, and the prize of life. He's trying to spell out for us that whereas godliness is all about love, worldliness is all about lust. Now, it's quite easy to be very specific about lust and narrow it down to, to meaning just don't commit adultery uh, and don't even think about it. But I think here John is using the word lust to mean a certain type of attitude of wanting to take something to satisfy a particular desire. And so that's where we start to see this contrast between lust and love. Uh, lust being an attitude of, I want this, I want that. What's in it for me, you might ask. Whereas love is an attitude of giving, of putting others first, of serving them. And so when John talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, he's really trying to spell out the difference between worldliness and godliness. He talks about the lust of the flesh, uh, this idea that it's the desire to satisfy my body, my senses, my stomach, my comfort, my desires. So, so the lust of the flesh might well involve things like committing adultery or, or things that the, the Bible might describe as fornication. But it, but it might just as easily describe our attitude when we constantly want bigger and better uh, cars, homes, jobs, whatever it might be. Um, it might describe our attitude towards entertainment. Uh, we can spend a fortune and devote hours of our time to wanting to just feel good. Or our attitude towards drugs and alcohol, or to food, or, or to any one of a, a number of things. Or there's the, the lust of the eyes, the way we're, we're constantly looking around for those things that will make us feel good. For example, some of us can spend hours and hours scrolling on our phones or computers, uh, not really doing anything useful other than just absorbing information and news and images and things like that through our eyes. 
He talks about the pride of life. Um, this one's not described as a, a lust in the same way as the others, but it still describes the same kind of attitude of wanting to take. Uh, in this case, it's I want to take other people's praise. Uh, I want to be well thought of. I want to show off how wonderful my possessions are, how healthy I am, how old I am, or how young and fit I am, or I want to boast in all my achievements and the legacy that I'll pass down through generations. And all of these attitudes could be summed up with that question, what's in it for me? It's all about what I can get out of this. And, and so these attitudes are really opposed to the Father and the opposite of how God is. Because really, true love and godly love is characterized by a desire to give and to serve others. It's not selfish, it's not self-seeking, but it's focused on meeting the needs of others. That's a, a godly love. It seeks to glorify him rather than satisfy our own desires. And so think about that verse that we mentioned earlier in John 3.16. We, we see a little glimpse uh, of what God's love is like. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's love is a, a giving love. It's a, a sacrificial love, a love that's not self-seeking. And so, if that's what God's love is like, if that's the kind of love that we've experienced ourselves as Christians, if we've experienced that firsthand, then worldly lusts are just totally inappropriate for God's people. The world is opposed to the Father. But there's a second reason that John gives for not being worldly, and that is that the world will pass away. The world will pass away, but look at verse 17. Uh, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. If the world is opposed to the Father, then that means we can't love God and love the world at the same time, that oil and water mix. But if the world is going to pass away, then that means it's pointless to love the world. I think we all know and have experienced the fact that, that nothing lasts forever in this world. Uh, we feel the effects of that every day, whether it's finding holes in your clothes, holes in your socks, finding rust on your car, or, or a leak in the roof. Maybe this is just my life I'm talking about here, but we, we all know that nothing lasts forever. But it's not just the stuff of the world that passes away. Uh, he says its desires pass away as well. The desires of the world pass away. Just think about how fashions change over the years. Uh, we can get, uh, well, at one point it was very desirable to have a, an avocado bathroom suite. Uh, I don't think it's so desirable now, but at, at one point it was really seen as quite, well, vomit-worthy. Uh, the, the desire for the avocado bathroom suite, the, the height of fashion and, and design, that desire had passed away. And that's true of so many uh, fads and, and fashions. Uh, we can get so caught up in, in worldly things that are on trend one moment, and then we just find a couple of years later that no one's interested anymore, and it was all just a, a waste of time. But the opposite is true of godliness. Read verse 17 again. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. Can you see how futile worldliness is. It lasts a lifetime at most, and then we die. 
But godliness, this attitude of loving and serving others, is a harvest that will be reaped for all eternity. Now, we can only really, truly have this godly attitude if we've experienced God's love towards us. And so we go back again to to John 3.16, written by the same author as this letter. um, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Saying the same thing, just spelling it out again. Trust in Jesus. Receive the love that the Father pours out for us. It's not about grabbing it. This is something that's freely offered to us and we receive it. Receive it and look forward to eternal life. And so as we accept that wonderful gift of eternal life, let's do the will of God. Let's show to other people that same attitude uh, of love that God has shown to us, of caring for people, loving people, of putting other people's uh, needs and and preferences before our own. So as we think about how we apply all that to our own lives, what what does that mean for us? Well, firstly, uh, it's important to remember that John was... Uh, writing to Christians who had been really shaken up by the presence of false teachers in the church, false teachers in their midst, that people who seem to have got everything right, that they had this air about them that they got it sorted, uh, people who were seemingly super spiritual. And to the untrained eye, uh, these were people who you would have thought were, were super Christians, the, the people that if you're going to follow anyone and aspire to be like, you're going to be like these people. But throughout this letter, John's been trying to teach Christians how to spot false teachers uh, and and avoid them, uh, and trying to encourage Christians who might be struggling with thoughts of whether they really are Christians at all. And so for John's audience, you you can see how this might help. If these false teachers are are demonstrating that all they're really bothered about is what's in it for me, uh, then the church can be reassured that yeah, we can recognize them as false teachers. We, we don't need to follow them. And in the same way, if these false teachers are proclaiming a message uh, which is encouraging people, just do whatever you like. Uh, they can uh, train in people to, to live lives that are characterized by selfishness, this lust and, and what's in it for me, then they're not to be followed. And we see some of that kind of teaching in the world today, um, so-called Christians will, will tell you that you can have anything you want. You've got to send a check first or, or a credit card number or, or whatever it is. You've got to pay, pay up front and then you'll be blessed in, in many ways. And it's false. It's wrong. It's worldly. And you can spot it a mile off. That's what John is saying here. But another way it might help us is that sometimes as Christians, we can feel a little bit I don't know, maybe second rate for, for, being, uh, for, for not being worldly enough. Uh, what I mean by that is that, y- you know the phrase, you've got to be in the world but not of the world. Uh, well, some people, it can be tempting for us to, to think that we, actually that means we need to sail as close to the wind as possible. Like there's a level of worldliness that will actually be quite helpful to us. A level of worldliness that will help people to, to get us and, and we can get them and then everyone will become Christians somehow. But this passage, passage is actually encouraging you that worldliness is something to be avoided because it's opposed to the Father and because the world will, will pass away. It is a, a good thing to be in the world. 
but not of the world. But that means exactly what it says. You, you are going to be amongst people in your day-to-day -day life uh, who are of the world, people who are not Christians. But one of the most faithful ways to witness to them is to show what godliness looks like. Not how worldly you can still be and, and still call yourself a Christian. And so if that's the case, then there might well be places that you need to stop going, relationships that you need to put a stop to. There might be things you need to stop doing and websites you need to stop browsing and, and so on. There may be a, a list of ungodly things that you do need to deal with. But above all, we're told we need to put on this godly mindset, have a godly attitude. And maybe just uh, another way this message could apply to us is perhaps in the way we think about church itself. Because the, the, the what's in it for me mindset is quite infectious. We, we see it in the world everywhere and it spreads throughout our entire lives because it's an attitude problem. And so it creeps into the way we think about church as well. And so we need to be on guard against turning up to church thinking, what's in it for me? Because that, that question is, is kind of a, a worldly attitude. How can church best serve me? And instead, it seems quite plain when you put it like that, but let's make church a family where we're consumed with serving one another and caring for one another and submitting to one another and, and preferring one another. We started off thinking about how people are remembered in their death, that they're remembered for, for what they love very often. And the world is opposed to the Father. So let's be known and, re as re and remembered as, as people who submit to God's beautiful and holy desires. People who do the will of God because they love God. And the world is going to pass away. So let's be known and, and remembered as people who pursue the will of God and reap a life that lasts forever. There may be all sorts of areas of your life where you need to uh, have a think and, and say, what's in it for me? And then think, is that the right question to be asking? Have a, a think about your life and say, how can I serve others? What's in it for them? So it, it is a, a warning to us. It's quite clear command, do not love the world or anything in the world. But it is an encouragement as well that godliness, the things of God, uh, doing the will of God is a far more benefit than anything we could ever grab onto in this life. So let's cling on to those things, the, the things of the will of God, the things of God. Let's pray together. Father God, you know our hearts. You know the things that we love. You know the things that we're very attached to and the things that we're committed to. And in each one of our lives, Lord, there'll be so much stuff that is perhaps unhelpful for us to, to cling on to and, and a real mix of of godliness that we see in our lives as well. And so, Lord, we, we do want to become more godly. We want to, to put aside the, the worldly things. So we ask you to teach us and to open our eyes to the things that are not helpful for us. But we ask that you would 
by your Holy Spirit, change our attitudes, change our hearts, so that more and more, day by day, we would uh, want to do the will of God, that we would want to serve you, we would want to serve others, that we would want to put other people's needs first, and then all this, we would want to glorify your name. Lord, we, we need your help as uh, individuals to do that, and we need your help as a church to do that as well. We pray that this place, this church, might be uh, a place where we can come gladly, week after week, not uh, demanding uh, that other people serve us, but with uh, gifts to use to serve others. Lord, we pray that as a result of that, this place would be a, a place of great blessing. And so we thank you for the, the way, even today, that other people have been serving one another and blessing one another and encouraging one another. Lord, we pray that that would continue. Help us all to help each other to persevere uh, towards godliness and to avoid, avoid worldliness. Lord, we need your help to do this. So we pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, one of the things uh, that struck me as we were going through that is just how hard it is to spot what worldliness is. If it isn't just don't drink, smoke, swear, or chew, or those kind of things, if it is instead that attitude, it's hard to spot those things. And, and John said at, at one point that it's good to reflect on that. Now, it, with all the best will in the world, we may well say, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll go away and I'll reflect on that. And then we don't. So instead, we're going to have a minute now to reflect on it right now, to make sure we actually do. So I thought it'd be good just to have a moment's quiet as we think about that. Maybe some of the questions that, that John was asking about um, those areas of life where we are more focused on saying, what's in it for me, than on uh, what ways can I love and give. So perhaps it's worth us just having a, a minute, quiet reflection, maybe open that passage again. There's only a few verses, you could probably read it a couple of times. But looking through and thinking, okay, where does the rubber hit the road in my life with this, how can I seek to love the world a bit less? So let's just have uh, a minute to, get, uh, to, to do that before we move on to the next part of our service. Let me pray for us. Father, we are more worldly than we like to admit. There are many ways in our lives where our attitudes, the things that we want, 
are far more shaped by the world around us than by what you would have us do. And we are sorry for that. Please, with your Holy Spirit, be at work in us, helping us as we, as we go out from here to keep reflecting on this and to be able to spot in our own lives where we are just in it for ourselves or where we are not focusing on doing your will, but instead what we would want, how we can take. We pray that you would give us eyes to see those things, to, to not be pointing them out all the time in others, but to be genuinely humble and seeing where we fall short in that way. And by your Holy Spirit, would we more and more uh, reflect your ways, be shaped by your desires, and so live lives which really do honour you as we want to do. In Jesus' name, amen.